One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories. This is the podcast that extracts biography via the fantastic storytelling that emerges when songs are why we're digging back into memories. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Charlie Whitehead. Charlie was born in Ohio but raised in Tennessee and Kentucky with three siblings and what he describes as first-class parents. He went to college in Kentucky and South Dakota playing football and basketball. He never graduated but says he knows a lot of uneducated folks who did. Charlie worked in the ag business in northern Colorado for a few years, everything from truck driving to equipment operator to working the pickle docks. We'll get back to that in a second. He later lived in Phoenix with his girlfriend Debbie working construction before moving to Fort Myers Beach in 1985 to take a job with the then weekly newspaper Beach Bulletin. He married Debbie in 1989. Smartest thing he ever did, he says. Went to work for the Bonita Banner, then the Naples Daily News until the newspaper industry, quote, started circling the bowl and his job was eliminated in 2010 when the paper stopped covering Lee County. After, quote, farting around with freelance and a couple of other publications, He went back into construction full-time. Charlie ran unsuccessfully for a Lee County Commission seat in 2010 with no party affiliation. He's got four grown kids ranging from 40 to 20, and he's been umpiring since he was a middle teenager and has been a Little League coach and was a high school softball coach when his daughters were in school. These days, he says he's laying low, fixing his Irma broken house. I first crossed paths with Charlie back in the mid-2000s while working as a radio reporter at WG. GCU. I always dug his vibe and so look forward to digging into his musical memories starting now. Hey there, Charlie. Mike, how are you? I am fantastic. It's a long time no see. Yeah, it has been. Uh, it has been too long. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, you know, you, we, you, you popped up on Facebook a while back and that's how we reconnected. Isn't it crazy how sometimes it does good things? Yeah, it is. I, uh, it can do a lot of good and a lot of harm and it's done a lot of both. Yes. Um, what's a pickle dock? Uh, well, in Colorado, uh, they grow cucumbers. Okay. And so it's a place where pickles are loaded? It's a place where the trucks bring the cucumbers and those of us who are you know, not highly skilled, but young and energetic, uh, unload the trucks, and they're sorted into sizes, and they go on to become pickles. Hmm. You a big fan of pickles at all? Not a bit. Not I don't bit. eat them at all. Well, there you have it. Okay, so what was the musical background of your childhood? Uh, well, you know, I consider myself as having grown up in Tennessee and Kentucky, uh, my dad took us to the old Ryman Auditorium to see the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, I, uh, my how, dad, how, how old that would you have been when that was going on? I'm going to guess that I was just barely a preteen. Okay, okay. Uh, we we did we did live in West Kentucky for a long time. I went to high school there. Uh, but uh, my background was basically a musical background was basically growing up in Tennessee and Kentucky. The first 
music I ever bought with my own money was Johnny Cash at San Quentin. All right. Um, what was being played around the house? Was there a turntable in your house? Was there you know music or on the radio, AM radio, any of that kind of stuff? Well, I have uh, heard my dad sing a lot of music over the years. Just uh, he wasn't a singer. He was just a guy that sang. Right. Uh, and he tended toward the country music genre. Gotcha. As you can probably discern from my three songs. Yeah, and your shirt. Well, and my, and my shirt. I did see Willie Nelson here a few weeks ago. And when it came time to sort through my musical memories and select three songs, you know, the, the dozen songs or so that I started with included numerous Willie Nelson songs, and they all got discarded. Mm-hmm. So I Hard, it, isn't it? It is hard. It really is. I was surprised by how hard it was. Uh, what was your process? You know, I kind of – I had an idea uh, what I wanted a couple of them to be, and I kind of just – Listened to some of the songs and thought about where I had heard them and where they took me and what they made me think about. Mm -hmm. And that was the process. I just kind of sorted out. Frankly, the two of them seemed fairly obvious to me. Right. And the third was one that I kind of had one and discarded it and had another and discarded it and finally came up with one that I'm – your, your fourth song, I guess, was the one that you had sent me originally. Then that got bumped. What was that one? It was um, it, was it Willie Nelson? It may have no, been. No, it was my, not a Willie Nelson. It no? was it was you. You landed on Chris Christopherson. Right. We'll get there in a second. Sure. Um, but before that, you had the you had the other two, and then you had a third one. Boy, you know, I'm uh, tr- I'm struggling to remember. It was it may have been a Johnny Cash song. I'm, oh. I'm a huge fan of his as well. Anyway, that's fine. So, do you remember who you saw at the Ryman Auditorium? You know, strangely enough, I don't. I remember, uh, believe I saw Minnie Pearl and Stringbean. <laughs> okay, uh, those guys, of course, were Opry regulars back in those days. Uh, but I don't specifically remember who the quote-unquote headliners would have right, been. Right. You were there just because you were kind of getting dragged along probably. I was there because my dad was uh, smart enough to arrange for me to be able to talk about having gone to the original Ryman Auditorium right. when I was six. He was creating this story today. Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have an early musical memory that you can recall, just something that flashes into your head, not even necessarily a story associated with it? Uh, Yes. Uh, I remember my dad singing, You Can Get Anything You Want at Alice's Restaurant. (laughs) And I remember my dad singing uh, selections or at least snatches of selections from Hank Sr. Those are the things that I remember. As I said, uh, the Johnny Cash thing came along when I was living in Nashville Mm -hmm. and you know, I kind of came by it natural, I think. Any uh, music uh, being played by you or your folks or anybody, uh, like a guitar, mandolin, banjo, any of that kind of stuff? You know, I uh, – no. Yeah. I, I played the uh, – I was in the band in junior high and high school playing the trumpet, believe okay. it or not. Uh, and I – Drifted away from that when I became serious about playing football. Okay, so you you were you were playing trumpet and then football came along. Is that just you know freshman high school, sophomore high school when that came? Well, something like that. Yeah, I was uh, I got relatively serious about playing football, and there was some. I was never told I had to choose. 
but it became evident that I would need to decide. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I I had the same thing happen between golf and baseball. I went for golf. There was less running and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, can you remember an early um, time when music moved you somehow? You know, caused you to feel something that you know stuck. Yeah, I uh, you know I told you I bought that Johnny Cash album, and there were some selections on there that made me start to think that. That spoke to me, and I can't I can't describe it much differently than that. Right. Uh, it made me feel connected, maybe a little bit, like uh, even to the guys in San Quentin Prison, mm-hmm. whom I think uh, one of the things that album did, and some other things that were happening in that point in history, the mm-hmm. reminded us that those guys that we at that time were at least warehousing were still human beings and still needed to be interacted with and that sort of thing. At what point did journalism become a thing for you? Well, it's funny. I uh, I took some creative writing, some journalism classes during my abortive college career. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I – after I had lived in Phoenix for a couple of years, uh, I saw – you know, in Phoenix, you, if you're working construction, you start as soon as it's light enough to see the nail you're swinging at because mm-hmm. by about noon, you got to quit. It's 110 degrees. Gotcha. Right. And on the job site, there were always these guys that were 50 years old that came splashing onto the job site in their station wagon with all of their worldly possessions in the back looking for work. And I didn't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that I could make a living as a journalist. Frankly, I I wrote a letter, uh, sent it out to a bunch of publications. I sent it to my grandmother, who was then living at Fort Myers Beach, oh. who was had always tried to convince me that I had writing ability and should be using it. And she took it down and shared it with Carol Lamb who was the editor of the Beach Bulletin at that point in history. In relation to Rich Lamb? No. No. Carol was an old-time newspaper person that has quasi-retired to southwest Florida, and she was glad to have me. They had a a position open, and as you might expect, the Beach Bulletin was not a terribly lucrative uh, way to make a living. Sure, but Fort Myers Beach was a lot different than Phoenix, probably. It was quite different, yes. And I, uh, you know, anyway, my grandmother shared the letter with Carol. And when I came down to visit my grandmother, Carol had read the letter and had wanted to speak to me. And when she talked to me, she hired me. Hmm. Uh, she told me that she was glad you guys will, you guys in the education business will have to forgive me for this one. Uh, but she told me that she was glad I wasn't a journalism school graduate because it meant she didn't have to unlearn me a bunch of stuff. Right, right. Well, you know, I took zero journalism classes too and dropped out four times. So there you go. <laughs> you were just more, you had more stick to than I did. Yeah, apparently. well, I had some good mentor teachers who kept dragging me back in, is uh, what there happened. There you go. Um, that's how I wound up here at the station, actually. Um, okay, we're going to get to your first song then. So what do you, uh, what do we got here? This is um, uh, John Prine's song. 
song, which, by the way, you're the first person who's picked two songs by the same person. So Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, fair enough. But, well, that, hey, a, but that's okay. We have no rule against that. Big John Prine fan. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I, I, my, a lot of my formative years took place in western Kentucky, which is where John Prine is from, I believe. Uh, certainly he, uh, certainly he wrote about things in western Kentucky. Uh, my dad was the kind of guy that thought we should know things about where we lived and we did a lot of traveling around in western Kentucky and we saw a lot of things. Uh, there was, uh, you know, the, the the kind of things that John Prine talks about in the song Paradise are things that I remember seeing and or hearing about from that period in my childhood. Hmm. Um, uh, um, this is off his first album, right? I believe so. I, I frankly don't know. But it's the song that brings you back to that place. It does. Uh, there was a... Uh, you know, if you've seen the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I have many times. When they flood. Yeah. Uh, West Kentucky is right there where the Kentucky Lake and Barkley Lake are, where the Tennessee Valley Authority basically built a dam and dammed up the river and flooded everything that was there. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school, there was uh, an old shelled out building that uh, us kids referred to as Hotel California. <laughs> where we did the sorts of things that teenagers do in abandoned buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, it makes me feel – it makes me remember those times. Okay. Uh, I've been to Muhlenberg County. I have seen – you know, I, I, I've seen what happened to those communities because of the coal mining and that sort of thing and the – you know, progress, quote unquote, uh, that really shaped that part of the world for good or ill. Hmm. Well, let's listen to this song then through that. This is um, Paradise by John Prine from his self-titled album released in 1971. When I was a child, my family would travel down to western Kentucky where my parents were born. And there's a backwards old town that's often remembered So many times that my memories are worn Then the coal company came with the world's largest shovel And they tortured the timber and stripped all the land Well, they dug for their coal till the land was forsaken Then they rode it all down as the progress of man when I die, let my ashes float down the Green River Let my soul roll on up to the Rochester Dam I'll be halfway to heaven with paradise waiting Just five miles away from wherever I am And Daddy, won't you take me back to Muhlenberg County Down by the Green River where paradise lay well, I'm sorry, my son, but you're too late in asking. Mr. Peabody's cold train has hauled it away. Do you still have connections back there? Some. I, uh, I went back a few years ago for my 40th high school reunion. Wow. 
and saw people that I hadn't seen for a very long time, some of whom still live in Paducah, hmm. which is where I was went to high school. Right. Uh, those are the kinds of connections I have. My my uh, oldest son grew up in Western Kentucky uh, with his mother. I was one of those folks that had Chapter One and then Chapter Two of right. my married life. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've still got some connections back there. Uh, your your dad's here with you today, walking around the campus of FGCU right now. Is yeah. he? Where does he live these days? Uh, he's in Colorado. Okay, uh, La Junta. Gotcha. Which is, forgive me, my friends, in La Junta. La Junta is basically Kansas with a press agent. Okay. <laughs> uh, because it's way out on the arid plains yeah, of yeah. eastern Colorado. I'm from Kansas City, so I know where, okay. where you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, how did John Prine come to you? Is that because of your friends, your your family? Yeah, I think I, uh, you know, when I was a kid and I was listening to the radio, it was invariably the country music station. Mm-hmm. That hasn't changed, by the way. <laughs> but uh, Country music changed a little bit. The music has changed. <laughs> I, uh, I like to recall the line from the movie The Blues Brothers where the band steals the gig at the bar and John Belushi asks the lady behind the bar, what kinds of music do you typically get in here? Uh-huh. And she tells him, we get both kinds of music. We get country and western. <laughs> Oh, do you listen to a jo- lot of John Prine? As, I do. Uh, and how do you listen to music these days? These <laughs> days, uh, I've got a uh, desktop and a set of speakers, mm-hmm. and I typically YouTube the music okay. and swear at the commercials. Gotcha. Do you ever um, – do you have uh, records or any of that stuff? Did that ever become part of your routine? You know, uh, I used to have records uh, about – I don't know, maybe two years ago, the radio in my truck died. Okay. And I'm the kind of guy, that I drive a 25-year-old pickup. Uh-huh. And when the radio died, I stopped at the thrift store and invested $10 in a boombox. Uh-huh. And I listened to cassettes in right. my truck. Okay. And all, in my opinion, you all the best. plug it into your cigarette lighter so you don't have to buy batteries? Yes. Good. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm, I'm one of those folks that believes that all the best music is available for 25 cents at yeah. your local thrift store on a cassette tape. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, we used to play jazz overnights on WGCU, and I have uh, thrift, thrift store radios all around my house so I can <laughs> listen to music wherever I go. And I got really used to hearing jazz at night. So now I have a boom box that I bought at Family Thrift on Colonial, and I buy CDs of jazz music there, and at night I put it on in my kitchen. So we have that kind of in common, Charlie. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a good way to go about it, I yeah, think. No, Frankly, I, I, don't, I don't have much use for most of the modern country music. So I've, You just kind of go through the thrift stores and scan the cassette section and find one and pop it in, or do you kind of just have what you got? Well, it's, it's – it's becoming more and more rare to find a collection of cassette tapes at right. your local thrift store. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I own hundreds. Okay. Um, live music. Do you have a peak live music experience that flashes to mind? Well, yes, I do. Uh, if you recall, the Fort Myers Miracle used to have post-game concerts from sure, time to time. Sure, sure, yeah. I've always been uh, – this is another band that fell out of my – 
selection process. Uh, I used to be a big fan of Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. They played and at the Miracle Game? No. Okay. The, <laughs> the guy whose name I don't recall. That's okay. Forgive me. Yeah. The guy with the eye patch? Mm-hmm. He was their concert one night after a game. Oh. And that was a wonderful concert experience for me. Maybe not so much for some other folks. Were you just in the stands as a fan that night, or were you? Uh, did you have some sort of access because of you know you were in journalism at the time or something like that? No, no, that's a. I was a, I was a fan. Gotcha. I, I love Miracle Games. I go to Miracle Games, and when they were doing that, I made sure that I was there at that game because I wanted to see him. Have you ever traveled a distance to go see music specifically? And if so, like where and how far? No, not more than, you know, 40, 50 miles because yeah, that's where the concert or, venue yeah, was. Yeah, right, right. But never, never like flew somewhere or no, did something no. like I, that. No, uh, no. I did – I do recall a concert that was held in South Dakota at a ski resort that featured the Ozark Mountain Daredevils, Pure Prairie League – and I'm coming up blank on the third, but it was a one of those just great experience yeah. type concert. It was outdoors, and you know people were sharing. Yeah, sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Yes. Um, wh- when was the most? Uh, what was the most recent show you've seen? Like when was the last time you saw live music? You know, even at a club or a bar or something like that. Uh, my loving bride uh, bought me and her. Uh, tickets to go see Willie Nelson here a few oh, weeks right. ago. Oh, right. Yeah, you just mentioned that. Right, right, I right. Wore my, I wore my Willie Nelson T-shirt for which I dramatically overpaid at the concert. He cares a lot too. Yes. <laughs> well, Willie cares. Uh, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed the hell out of that concert. It was a great concert. And as I told you, uh, a lot of Willie Nelson songs fell out in the selection process that could very easily have made it in. It would, if there was one song, if you had to whittle it down to one Willie song, what, what would it be? Well, uh, my heroes have always been cowboys, almost made it in. And there's a particular line in there that sort of hits me close to home uh, that says, picking up hookers instead of my pen – I let the words of my youth fade away, and a guy never knows what he might have written had he been devoting his time to writing instead of to the sort of things that I was devoting my time to as a younger man. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Okay. Our bylaws state that you can't pick a song that you dance to at your wedding. What did you and Debbie dance to at your wedding? Willie Nelson. <laughs> well, what I remember uh, about that, and it's it's kind of an answer to that question. Okay. And, you know, I know how these interviews work. I've done enough of them where you ask the question and then the guy tells you whatever he wants to tell you. Well, I mean, what am I going to do? <laughs> Fact check you? <laughs> but uh, there was a uh, karaoke band at at my post-reception get-together, well, not a karaoke band, but a karaoke guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was going to say karaoke band. That's new to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One of my brothers signed me up to sing the song Woman oh, by John Lennon yeah, to yeah. my new wife. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you have ever attempted to sing that song. No, I haven't. John Lennon is a 
was a slightly more talented singer than I am. His voice was kind of in a different register. <laughs> Let's just say that I badly butchered it. Okay. Uh, but did, that's did what I remember. I, she put up with it. She, she probably remembers it too. <laughs> I expect she does, perhaps not too fondly, but it's not the kind of thing that you forget. Right. Do you happen to remember um, one of the songs that you might have danced to as a younger man uh, with a, a female person of the female persuasion for the first time? You know, when I was uh, – I went to University of Louisville for a couple of years and uh, I grew up in a diverse atmosphere, if you will. And when I was dancing to – on those few rare occasions when someone did actually get me out onto the dance floor because right. it's not one of my things. Right. We have that in common as well. Uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Ah. I uh, listened to a lot of that and I'm sure that I danced to it repeatedly. Ah. Like a lot of young single guys, I was not dancing for the joy of dancing. Right, right. I got you there. Um, okay, well, uh, we are going to move on to your second song now, which is, um, which is like I said before this, you threw in at the very last minute, which is fine. We don't care. Um, it's The Pilgrim Chapter 33 by Chris Christofferson. What brought it to the uh, table today? Well, I've always been a uh, huge Christopherson fan. I think he's one of the great poets of our time. Uh, I, the, Frankly, the one thing that sticks in my mind, there's a line in the song, uh, something to the effect of uh, see him wasted on the sidewalk in his jacket and his jeans. And I was at my folks' house getting ready in my mid-20s, getting mm -hmm. ready to go out, and I had pilfered some of my big brother's clothing to go out in, and we were kind of singing along with that, and my big brother Mike said something to the effect, you mean my jacket and my jeans. <laughs> but that's another one of those songs. It's, there's some poignancy there where you look back and Think about things that you might have done that you didn't quite ever get around to. Hmm. Do you listen to this song often? Is Have you listened to it for a while? Did you listen to it leading up to this? I, I did, but that's not, frankly, unusual. Uh, when I do the – when I listen to music from the computer, I will put in a Chris Christopherson mix or a John Prine mix or a Willie mix or a Johnny Cash mix, yeah. you know. All right, well, let's hear it. This is uh, The Pilgrim Chapter 33 by Chris Christofferson from his 1971, two, two albums from 1971, uh, The Silver-Tongued Devil. See him wasted on the sidewalk In his jacket and his jeans Wearing yesterday's misfortunes like a smile Once he had a future full of money, love, and dreams would you spend like they was going out of style? He's a poet, he's a picker, he's a prophet, he's a pusher. He's a pilgrim and a preacher and a problem when it's stoned. He's a walking contradiction, partly truth and partly fiction. Taking every wrong direction on his lonely way back home. That 
lot of wrong directions on that lonely way back home. I could hear you doing that, doing karaoke. Uh, I have <laughs> I have sung that one in the shower and uh, in the car numerous times, and I am just vain enough to believe that I can sing that one. Oh, well, you know, it's right there in your wheelhouse, I do believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, as long as I don't have to change notes too often, I'm a pretty decent singer. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, it, it's interesting, that song, is that – what does that make you think when you listen to it, especially sort of through this, you know, where we're trying to be mindful about it? What's it make you think about at well, this point in your – place in the world. Right. And you know, I, uh, there's, there's some poignancy there too, because I, I understand that uh, I was blessed with certain things that I may not have taken full advantage of. And that reminds me, that makes me mindful of that. That's part of what that song is about. Uh, there's a, it's about a journey that gets you from you know, a really good place where you were through some places that weren't necessarily such good places and then back to that good place at home where I think I have finally ended up. Hmm. Well put, Mr. Ryder. Well, and I, <laughs> you know, I was, uh, the song says he's a poet. Mm-hmm. You know, I have written poetry but frankly, you know, 30 years as a journalist may have left me too cynical and jaded to go back. Yeah. Although I, I, I tell myself that one day I may. Was there ever any tension in your world when you were being, you know, you were a jock, if I can put it that way. You were, you know, you were playing college football, right? I yep. mean, uh, you know, the, the poet in you, the writer in you, did you have to sort of break away from the jock to get to where you were or going or, you know, or was that just an easy transition for you? You know, I, I think I did some of that. I, I kind of considered myself I, – I was stupid lucky as a jock. I was big and strong and fast and never really had to work very hard gotcha. at Gotcha. Uh, my – Big Brother was also a jock, and he had to work his butt off to be good, which he did. I was just lucky. Uh, so I wasn't really – I was a jock, but I wasn't somebody that had to dedicate my life to it to be good at it. Right, right. You didn't have to be it. You could just do it. I, correct. I was lucky, again, huh. uh, fortunate. You said you were – You were. that song takes you back to your mid-20s or so? Or so. What would your mid-20s or so self think of where you are now and who you are now? I think he would be very surprised. Uh, the, my mid-20s, the mid-20s guy, you know, and I got uh, married young and I was divorced with a child at 20. Oh, wow. Uh, I uh, spent the next 10 years – well, I, I wasted the next 10 years, wasted on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and looking back, that's those were good years that I could have done something with that I did not do anything with. I did, uh, you know, I did, uh, what's, the, what's the song line? Uh, he, I have tasted good and evil in your bedrooms and your bars. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of tasting in those days. Mm-hmm. And... That's what I was busy doing. Yeah, well, maybe you were learning the lessons you needed to learn to get to where you are. 
Uh, yes, I think there was some of that going on as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you? Did you ever see uh, uh, Chris Christopherson play live? <clears throat> no, I haven't. Uh, that's something that I would like to someday do. Of course, I uh, never saw Johnny Cash live, and it's too late. I yeah. never saw Waylon Jennings live, and it's too late. I've now seen Willie Nelson three times, I think. Uh, but I've never had the pleasure of seeing Chris Christopherson. John Prine? I never saw John Prine either. Not too late. No, it's not too late. It's, I love how he's just barreling into now still. Well, one of the things that I admire about John Prine, uh, there was a, a recent chapter in history that perhaps you're familiar with that uh, there was an environmental group that was using his song Paradise as sort of a rallying cry. Uh, and the Peabody Coal Company sued to try and stop them from using it. But they and or he, I don't know the logistics of the of the suit, but they filed and tried to stop them from using it and they won and were allowed to continue to use it, hmm. which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you said you're, you played trumpet in, in high school. What about any of your kids? Any of your kids become musicians at all on any level? A little bit. My uh, – I have a daughter that uh, played the violin slash viola uh, mm -hmm. when she was in high school, and she was uh, she was good at it. Uh, she grew away from it. She doesn't do it anymore. My uh, my youngest son, who is twenty one now, uh, was interested in the drums, and I bought him a set of drums, and he banged around on them for a while, and. He's still – he's living in town here and the drums are at a friend of his house. I'd like to think that he bangs on them once in a while, but mm -hmm. I really don't know if he does or not. Right. Uh, other than that, my, my wife is uh, the kind of person – we had an organ in our house for yeah. several years and she made sure that the kids had their time at the organ. Okay. So – yeah, there has been some music. Not uh, nobody's going on tour, though. Nobody's going on tour. <laughs> what about your uh, wife? What are her musical stylings? Does she in your same uh, universe, or does she have her own stuff too? She is not really in my same universe. Hmm. Uh, we get a lot of that around here. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do. Uh, her tastes run more to. Well, one of her favorite movies uh, and shows that she has uh, taken the kids to is Mamma Mia. Okay. Yeah, that's different. <laughs> and uh, matter of fact, she took me – a couple of years ago, she took me to Barber B. Mann to see Ring of Fire. Okay. Which was also quite good. And uh, I'll digress for a second. You asked about concerts. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite concerts of all time uh, – again, my wife invested in it for me. Uh, was to see Arlo Guthrie when oh. he came to Barber Man on the 50th anniversary of Alice's Restaurant. Oh, speaking of Alice's, yeah. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was wonderful. Hmm. I have a Group W bench bumper sticker on my truck. Hmm. Hmm. And when we take a break after work and sit on my tailgate and have a cold beer, we say that we are sitting on the Group W bench. <laughs> um, 
Jason Isbell. Are you familiar with him by chance? I know the name. He played at Barber B. Man two or three years ago. I took my daughter. It was her first concert. We were right up in the front row. And he, you need to check him out. He okay. would be in your world. I will send you some links after well, the show. Please do. I'll, he, I'll be glad to he, hear him. He used to be the lead singer of the Drive-By Truckers, but now he's out on his own. That group I do know. And he is a force of nature. I cool. mean, this guy. Unbelievable. Um, do you have any favorite movies or Broadway shows, like you know, musical movies or plays, like things that you dig? You know, or is that even your thing? It will sound. It may sound strange. My favorite musical of all time, one that I made all of my children watch, is 1776. Oh, Mr. Even... Adams, damn you, Mr. Adams! Huh. I, I love that. That's really good stuff. It's a movie. It was made into a movie. Okay. It was a Broadway show. That was made into a movie, and I, the movie version I've made the kids watch. I'll have to watch it with my daughter. She's super into all that stuff. And it's funny because I was never really into musical movies. Right. But sort of you have a kid and you see it through their eyes and suddenly it's it's great. Well, <laughs> and every once in a while on a Sunday morning, I'll slap Jesus Christ Superstar oh, into, yeah. the, uh, into the CD player at home and listen to that. That's the kind of thing that – when I was in college, uh, three or four of my buddies and I would get together, and one of the things we did was to sing that together. Really? Uh, I do a ba, ba, ba. well, <laughs> the, the entire rock opera. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, to me, yeah, yeah. there are there are ten songs in that that are better than the actual the, the one that everybody knows. Well, yeah, yeah. You know the. It's like when you mention Willie Nelson, everybody wants to play On the Road again. Right, right. You know, he did 100 songs better than that, but that's the popular one. You ever come across Jeff McCullers in this town over the years? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. He, he, he waxed poetic for about five minutes about Jesus Christ Superstar when he was a kid. He got a hold of that album and had to listen to it like three times in a row with his friend and said it was just like it changed his entire life. You know, I can believe that. that. It, it is – it's powerful. It's really, really good. Yeah. Go figure that Andrew Lloyd Webber would produce something yeah. of quality, right? Exactly. You know, uh, back in the uh, 80s, um, I had a bunch of friends that were at Cyprus at the time, and they had this musical theater department that Jeff McCullers was the reason it was so great, and they did Jesus Christ Superstar, and it was so good they had to hold it over. I mean, we're talking high school production, and they had to hold it over for more sold-out shows because it was just so unbelievable. Well, and I saw, I saw that production at Barbara Mann a few years ago. I took my daughter. Oh, nice. So, um, Are there any albums that you will always listen to all the way through? And do you listen to albums like that? Because you say you do YouTube, but like sort of what are your album, your perfect albums? Or well, album? Superstar is one of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will listen to anything that Chris Christopherson did or Johnny Cash did or Willie Nelson did clear through. As I said, I've got the cassette player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll throw those in because a lot of the best songs from those folks are songs that people don't know. Exactly. Right. And I, I know them. You know, I can sing them word for word, just right. not very well. <laughs> uh, it, do you sing when people are around or do you only sing when you're alone? These days, I try not to inflict that on other people. <laughs> when my kids were kids, sometimes they would have to listen to me. Gotcha. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but are there any modern bands that you are a fan of? Anything out there that's being released you know, within the last five, ten years? That... You know, there are a couple of uh, – I'm not a big fan of what I refer to as pop country. Right. Uh, I don't consider that to be country music. That's pop music 
with a kid using a fake Southern accent. Right. Uh, there are a few exceptions to that. Uh, Copperhead Road is the name of a song that I really enjoyed. Uh, I don't know. I think the kid. I think the guy's name is Stephen Earl, or his last name is Earl. Anyway, all right. And there's another uh, more recent country singer who's got the big pipes like Johnny Cash did, and like Chris Christopherson did. Yeah, and yeah. His name is not coming to me either. That's okay. You know, frankly, when I'm listening to music, I'm listening to music from the '70s almost exclusively. Gotcha. Oh, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We've we've had you're you're far from alone, Charlie. <laughs> Trust me, <laughs> not. Um, okay. Well, we are time. Uh, to, uh, it's time for, to move on to your third song. So, what is this going to be? Well, um, this song is about where, in spite of myself, I've ended up. Uh, you know, somehow, despite all the wrong things that I did through my life, I ended up with a wonderful wife and good kids and a nice place to live. And, you know, in, in spite of all my actions from the time I was a child till now, I've ended up in a pretty good place. Hmm. You want to listen to it? Sure. Okay, I love the song. Uh, and it's Iris Dement. Is that how you say her name? Okay. This is In Spite of Ourselves, like I mentioned earlier. This is by John Prine. We're back uh, featuring Iris Dement from his 1999 album of the same name. She don't like her eggs all runny. She thinks crossing her legs is funny. She looks down her nose at money. She gets it on like the Easter bunny. She's my baby. I'm her honey. I'm never gonna let her go. He ain't got laid in a month of Sundays. Caught him once and he was sniffing my undies. He ain't too sharp, but he gets things done. Drinks his beer like it's oxygen. He's my baby, and I'm his honey. Never gonna let him go. In spite of ourselves, we'll end up sitting on a rainbow. Against all odds, honey, we're the big door prize. But we're gonna spite our noses right off of our faces. There won't be nothing but big old hearts dancing in our eyes. In spite of ourselves. See, to me, that one's almost self-explanatory. Yeah, no, it, it certainly is. Especially now at this, that, at this point in our arc here together. That's pretty good. That's so romantic, Charlie. Well... <laughs> You know, against all odds and despite everything that I went through and did and, you know, I ain't no big door prize, but I'm married to somebody that is. Hmm. You guys ever dance to that song? Maybe just sort of like low-key dance? (laughs) Yeah. I, I doubt it. Yeah. Probably not. You know, frankly... Debbie's uh, musical tastes are don't run the same as mine do. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. I think that that message would resonate. Yeah, and does, but maybe not so much the style that it's delivered in. Understood. Um, do you remember? I mean, you've been a fan of John Prine for years. That song came out twenty eight years after you hit that first album. Right. Uh, do you Do you remember when you first heard this song? You know, because he's putting out new stuff. Uh, Wouldn't you have to find it on a cassette? <laughs> I, I think. I think 
that the first time I heard this song was about the time it came out on, I don't know if it was on the radio or if somebody else was playing it. Uh, I catch it on the YouTube all the time now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is, uh, to me, it's just solid gold. I mean, Prine is one of those guys that is a poet. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, there's good stuff in there. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, again, uh, you know, Debbie and I got married when she was 30 or 31 and I was 31 or two. And, you know, against all odds, mm -hmm. we got together and here we still are. Here we are sitting on a rainbow in Fort Myers, That's Florida. That's right. There's no... There, there was there was nothing that would ever lead anyone to guess that. Hmm. I uh, I was introduced to John Prine by the same uh, a girlfriend um, who also introduced me to Bob Dylan because I just didn't listen to either of those. You know that was not my world, and right, I was suddenly sure. dating this girl from Clewiston, and she introduced me to those two people, and I was like, wow. And so I feel pretty lucky to have stumbled across him. I mean, that was you know twenty years ago, but. Well, and there are there are multiple John Prine songs that I could have uh, plugged in. Uh, I, I discarded "Illegal Smile" for obvious reasons. There's yeah. a. Uh, I will recommend that you go onto YouTube and find "Illegal Smile," and there's a young female singer in the name of Casey Musgrave okay. who wrote and sang a song uh, that says that. Her idea of heaven is to burn one with John Prine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a – if you find it on YouTube, there's a thing where she sings that and then he sings Illegal Smile and it's worthwhile. I will definitely check that out. And 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 uh, me and my girlfriend back in the 90s listening to John Prine had illegal smiles on our faces too. So there you have it. Understood. Um, do you miss newspapering? You alluded just a second ago about maybe daring to – venture back in that direction? I mean, do you miss it? I know the world's changed a lot, not both the newspaper world and the world. If you'll forgive me, the times that I miss newspapering is when I see it being done badly. Mm -hmm. And there's more of that than there ought to be right now. Uh, I mentioned in my bio something called pigeon journalism. Yeah, yeah. I don't do freelance work and I don't I won't dabble in it mm -hmm. because I think if you're not doing it full time, balls to the wall, if you will. Take that out if you need to. Ants podcast, uh, we can say it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but if you're not doing it full time all the time, you're doing it badly mm. because you can't dabble in it. You need to know the history, the context. You need to know the players, what their motivations are, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you remember a guy named Charlie Bigelow, I'm sure. Absolutely. Charlie was a county commissioner who was an extremely bright guy. And he defined pigeon journalism for me one day. He said, pigeon journalism is when you fly in, you shit all over everything, and you fly out. Mm -hmm. And that's how I see freelance work. Hmm. So I won't do freelance work. What was your beat back then? Did you have a beat? I, I mean, I, I remember re running into you at you know, a, you know, places where I think the one time I remember running into you was the bushes were in town and we were at a yeah. reading thing. But what was like? What was your 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 beat or what was your um, 
topics or areas that you most liked to delve into? Well, I uh, when I started at the Naples Daily News, I full time I was covering the Lee County Commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was also the Fort Myers guy for the Naples paper. Right. So anything that happened in Fort Myers, I was covering. As you said, I was there when the Bushes came to town. I was there when, you know, I got to meet Lawton Childs back in the day. I uh, I was involved in the 2000 recount. Uh, I, uh, you know, I've, I've done a lot of interesting things over the years there. But uh, I, I did the cop beat in Fort Myers because I was the Fort Myers guy. Right, right. But uh, basically anything that happened up here, I got to cover the Vicky Lopez-Wolf trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some interesting things you that I got to do. probably were here for the uh, Lords of Chaos stuff back I in was. the 90s. Uh, at that point, we had two reporters, uh, but the, the Naples Daily News had an actual Benita Bureau where there were a couple of folks that worked out of the Benita office, and then there were two of us that worked out of our homes covering things in Fort Myers for the Naples Daily News. And somebody else, Nancy Ayers was her name at the time. Mm -hmm. I remember that name. She's running a news organization in Hawaii now. Oh, wow. Good for her. Uh, Lauer is her current last name, or her last name now. Right, right. Uh, And uh, she was the one that covered the the Lords of Chaos thing. But I was here, and I was familiar with it. We had one of the guests on our show here, you know, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes ago was – um, Isaac Anderson, the judge who tried that sure. son, he came in here and did this. Oh, okay, and, uh, very yeah, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I knew uh, the Justin judge. is his name. Yeah. And, and, and one of his songs is about his dad. And I learned through that that his dad was a really big fan of like – what was the movie like Caddyshack and um, <laughs> and um, uh, Raising Arizona? Oh, yeah. I, I loved loved that. Um, do you have a favorite band besides John Prine and Willie Nelson? <laughs> hmm. Or musician, band. Right, understood. Uh, you know, I was watching NPR the other night, shameless plug, I know, uh, and I watched The Highwaymen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And every time that comes on, I watch it. Hmm. You know, those guys to me are timeless and beautiful. Hmm. I, uh, a band, the first concert, and it doesn't fit with the rest of this, but the first concert I ever saw was in 1978, no, wait a minute, 76, I saw Led Zeppelin oh, wow. on their first farewell tour. Okay. We're, uh, we're in new territory oh, here I all know, of a sudden. <laughs> in Louisville. Wow. The, Louisville, as the locals right. call it. But uh, I, uh, I had a friend who was a guy I played football with who died of kidney disease when he was not yet 18, hmm. and they played Stairway to Heaven at his funeral. Wow. So, you know, that was that was meaningful to me, but that's another one that didn't quite make the cut. Um, back to Jeff McCullers, one of his stories, his, his best or most memorable concert experience was going to see Led Zeppelin in Tampa, and it rained all day, and they got, we were there until the band was supposed to start. They came out, played one song, and then quit. Oh no! <laughs> well, I, 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 we were inside. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, best album of all time, in your opinion? The best album of all time. 
You know, the the critics would argue for something the Beatles did. Uh, mm-hmm. The Sgt. Pepper's album was one of the, as my, my recollection, my understanding is that's one of the first times that they actually built an album as an album instead of just a string of songs that they happened to do at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one was impressive and, and great music. Uh, so I wouldn't argue with somebody that called that the greatest album of all time. I was wondering if you were going to make it through this without somebody without you saying Beatles, because usually by now we've, <laughs> we've heard the word Beatles. Um, okay, uh, last question: Do you have any songs that you will always turn off? Well, now you don't have a radio, so I guess you're in oh, control. You but are there any songs that you will avoid listening to for either because you just hate the band, the song, the sound, or the memory? Well, I will. Uh, I'll just. Uh, for, uh, to answer that, I'll just relate to you a conversation that I had yesterday with my little brother who's in town helping me recover from Hurricane Irma still. Right. Uh, we saw that uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame had either nominated or inducted a slate of people. Yeah, just recently. Just right. this last week. Yeah, nominate or they were inducted two days ago. Right. right. And, you know, in my mind – the only thing Janet Jackson is famous for is flashing her nipple on TV once. I don't understand how she gets into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But, you know, I'm not uh, – anything that I define by my definition, of course, as pop music, Right. I turn off. Gotcha. Okay. Including most of modern country. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, modern country. What did I just hear the other day? It's like it's – yeah, it's um, it's basically like it's turned into hip-hop kind of except it's got a twang. Right. It's uh, it's pop music with a phony southern accent. There you go. Um, OK. Well, any final thoughts? No, I appreciate you having me come in. It's always fun to sit down and talk. I you know, ask anybody that knows me. They'll tell you that I'll pontificate on most anything you bring up. Uh, I try I try to avoid politics these days uh, in part because some of the people I hang out with are diametrically opposed to me politically. Uh, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll talk about anything. Well, I appreciate you talking about music with me. <laughs> I'm glad to do it, Mike. It's been fun. It's a kind of magic It's a kind of magic A kind of magic We make this podcast in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer. Chris Duffus is executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. this week's parting tune, I'm going back to the summer of 1986 in the back of a station wagon on a family road trip to a golf resort in Alabama. As incongruous as that might sound, I had my Walkman kicking, and one of the tapes that I was listening to some at the time was my brother's, A Kind of Magic by Queen. It was sort of the soundtrack to the movie Highlander, which had just come out that same year, which he and I had been blown away by. I bring Joe into this parting tune because, as I have alluded to more than once on this show, it's thanks to him that Queen's music is so firmly entrenched in my being. You see, he was the world's biggest Queen fan before it made any sense at all, at least to me, that he, well, would be. Queen was all he would listen to, and his collection was, and I'm sure still is, huge. 
but he had the Commodore 64 and the games it played and the D&D stuff and Omni magazines, etc. in his room. And so I put up with all that blasted queen. He was always blasting on his stereo. Well, I just saw the Bioflick last week with my daughter, and getting to know the backstory just makes everything they did all the more astoundingly impressive to me. And for whatever reason, this song, the title track to that album, will always transport me directly back to that family road trip to Alabama. I don't know, but in some ways, I think it might be part of why I have always seemed to really actually believe anything is possible. This is A Kind of Magic by Queen from their 1986 album of the same name, I'm Mike Canary. Keep listening. Uh, my mom would always sing around the house. There would be one of the things that she listened to all the time was um, The Sound of Music. Loved it. And I remember every every year they would have it usually at the Municipal Opera in St. Louis. Mm. She and my dad would go every year. And then when it was on TV, they'd, they'd be playing it too. And we'd always want to stay up and watch it. But it lasted, what, four hours, I think. So, it was on so you're, you and your sisters were kind of like the Von Trapp kids. Because you were trying to stay up for the, for the thing. I guess you could say that. 